You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Well, it's Monday, and I'm on suicide watch again for the next five days. <laughs> uh, hopefully, everybody had a great weekend, and it was so great that it allows you to make it through this entire week to next weekend so you can go out and do what you love to do, spend time with your family, or maybe you're one of the lucky ones and you you love doing what you're doing, but... Uh, I'm, I'll be in a cubicle while most of you guys are listening to this podcast today, and uh, hopefully you find some happiness in this podcast every time it launches, and uh, it helps helps you get through your week just a little bit better, a little bit faster, and uh, you can stay focused on what you really love, and that is bow hunting or hunting or whitetails or elk or mule deer, or whatever it is, uh, that's what you love to do, and hopefully I can, uh, I'm, I'm here to help put a smile on your face. Now, today we have a pretty cool podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking with a gentleman named Kevin. Kevin uh, is going to do a product review for us of some uh, some gear that he was able to wear this season, and uh, he had a a pretty good uh, he had pretty good results with it. So we're going to let Kevin talk about that. But before we get into today's product review podcast, let's listen to a message from John Livingston, one of the founders of Deer Lab. Well, we have a special landing page specifically for you, Dan. It's uh, deerlab.com slash nine fingers, and the nine is the digit nine. Um, and if you go there, um, you can sign up for a free trial. The free trial is a 30-day free trial. Uh, it gives you the ability to add up to 10 cameras and upload up to 250 photos. Uh, that's not a ton of photos, but what it does allow you to do is kind of kick the tires to see how you like it, to see how easy Deer Lab is to use. And if you decide to subscribe to one of our um, annual plans, we are giving Cabela e-gift cards away up to $75 depending on the plan. Or you can just go with a month-to-month plan as well. But if you want to try out Deer Lab, just go to DeerLab.com slash nine, as in the digit nine, fingers. And you'll see a button to select to uh, start your free trial. And there you have it. Make sure you guys go check out Deer Lab and not to beat a dead horse, but if you are interested, go to deerlab.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, no spaces, deerlab.com, nine fingers, and just play around with it. It's pretty cool. It may uh, it may help you pattern a deer that you, uh, you may not have thought was patternable in the future. So 
there you go. Play around with that. Now, let's get into today's product review podcast. Hopefully, you guys enjoy. On the phone with me now, Kevin Vistason. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing great, Dan. How about yourself? I can't complain. Uh, I'm getting ready to talk about hunting and hunting gear, so that's always good, right? I've been looking forward to talking to you since we first uh, communicated via email here probably a couple months back. Uh, I've been excited to, to chat with you about deer hunting stuff. Perfect. So how'd your 2016 season go? I've been hunting now for just over 20 years and it's probably going to go down so far as like my most memorable season, uh, on paper, uh, nothing impressive, but learned a lot as far as going forward, being a deer hunter and, uh, tried some different stuff this year as far as tried the road of traditional archery and did some other loader hunting. Yeah. And it was just uh, really opened my eyes up to a lot of things that I, I've been missing out uh, over the last 20 years when I was, when I was deer hunting. Cool. Cool. So, uh, did, I mean, did you harvest any animals or was it just some, you know, one of those seasons where I, I just had a blast spending time in the woods? Yeah. I was able to get two deer and going into deer hunting season, that's pretty much at the top of my, my goal. Like everything else can be put off, but we really do live all year off of venison. Uh, it's probably, you know, three to five times a week in our house at night. That, that's like our go-to for dinner. So I was able to get a doe, uh, in Southern Michigan on our far, on our family farm around uh december 6th right after muzzleloader opened down here and then actually the last day the last five minutes of my hunt the last day of muzzleloader season up north and it's always been a, a dream of mine like a bucket list thing to to go up to northern michigan on a snowy cold nasty weekend when i knew that really nobody else is everybody's done deer hunting the woods is silent there's no vehicles driving around everybody has put their guns away and is back to work and to go up there and get a deer and that's exactly what happened with you know like i said no no joke we got some real bad weather coming in and uh we had to kind of cut our trip short to get home and with five minutes left, I got a six-point buck with my muzzle loader, which I've, I've never shot a deer or a buck with my muzzle loader either. So right. it was just a really, really unique hunt and uh, something that I won't forget. So this year you decided to go the traditional route as far as bow hunting was concerned, right? I did. Okay, so... Really quick, this is actually this is actually a product kind of a product review podcast, and we're going to be talking about some of that uh, stuff here in a little bit. But talk to me why you decided to go down that traditional route. So well, I grew up on a farm, like I said, in, in southern Michigan, um, in the on the northernmost part of the Detroit suburbs. Uh, and growing up on that farm, it was always as kids just r- running around, I think, you know, probably around the age of eight years old. My dad picked up a couple old bows from a yard sale and my brother and I just started flinging arrows at, at everything. And we just got drawn into it immediately. And my grandfather had this old longbow that hung up in the basement. Every time we were over at my, my grandparents' house, which is on the same farm where my parents live, they're, they're neighbors. So we spent a lot of time over there we would grab that bow and it would take two of us, you know, we were just little kids. It would take my brother and I both uh, working as a team to string that thing. And then we would just point, we would fling arrows at everything until every arrow in that quiver, they were old cedar arrows. Every yeah. single one of them was, was broken in half. We had them electrical taped together and any means that we could get it back together to shoot them, we would. And then as we grew up, that bow just hung down in that basement, you know, until my brother grabbed it up a couple of years ago took it over to his house, was going to make a string for it, never did. I ended up having a buddy that got into traditional archery and uh, he offered to make a string for me. 
and we just started shooting it one night in the garage and I, I just instantly got addicted to it. It, like I said, I've been bow hunting for 20 years now and it completely reignited my passion for archery and I've, I've never lost my passion for deer hunting. I'm addicted to deer hunting, but, uh, it just put me deeper into, uh, like all the knowledge and the little things and paying attention to all that stuff that really goes into, uh, what it takes to be successful on a hunt. And it taught me how to shoot a bow. I mean, I've been shooting a bow for 20 years. I never knew how to shoot a bow. I, I can put a pin in a peep and I can hit a target. I can hit a paper plate, you know, 10 out of 10 times at 50 yards, but take that stuff away from me. And I was rendered useless with a bow and arrow. And it, it took me probably a good six months, ton of YouTube videos and figuring out how I was comfortable shooting. And then once I figured all that stuff out, I only traditional, I only hunted with the longbow until November, uh, until basically the start of the rut. And then I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Uh, I'm picking up my compound. I missed, I was hunting from the ground. It's a 60 inch bow. So it's like, it was really difficult to try to shoot it out of a tree. And typically my setups are really, really high up in the tree, like over 20 feet, 25 feet. So to try to shoot that bow at that angle without encountering problems was like impossible for me. So I was hunting from the ground with it, hunting from the ground with it. And, uh, by the middle of November, I was ready to pick up my compound, go and chase deer with that thing. And it was like a complete eye opener. Once I started shooting the compound again, about how much my accuracy improved, I, I would have never assume that it would have transitioned into that. But it was one thing that I did. It was like an unforeseen thing. It, 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 I truly believe that anybody that really wants to get better with a compound bow should go pick up, you know, a cheap stick bow. You can get them in a lot of places online for 150 bucks and just spend a month or two shooting arrows with that thing and tightening your groups up. And then where do you see what that does for your accuracy when you put your compound back in your hand is amazing. Really? Wow, that's yeah. uh, that's that's pretty interesting. So, you know, you you put the you put the compound back, or you put the tr- trad bow back and picked up the compound for the rest of the archery season. Um, did so next year? Are you going a hundred percent trad, or are you going to be uh, picking up the the compound again? I think my move going forward is going to be, so way I typically hunt around here is in uh, October, I kind of stay out of my, my real good stuff that I know in November is where I got to be to get an opportunity to shoot a nice buck. Right. So going, going forward, October, I'm going to have different places set up that are relatively low impact where I can just go out and sit comfortably see some deer with not being not having shooting big bucks really isn't going to be like at the top of my my list Uh, and going out there hunting with that thing through october and then once i know the bucks are kind of moving and the ruts moving in and deer hunting's getting pretty serious and it's go basically go time i'm i'm putting my compound back in my hand i'll hunt you know probably around Halloween till gun season with my compound. I think every year going forward, I'll probably hunt with that traditional bow the month of October. Oh, yeah. Okay. So maybe going into a little bit more detail, why did you decide to start using a trad bow again? It was kind of a fluky thing. I mean, <clears throat> it seemed a little bit, uh, I was kind of drawn to it. I thought it would be cool that, you know, it was my grandfather's old bow. He actually hated the thing. It was, uh, but he had a a old recurve that he talks about was such a great bow. We never saw it. The way he describes it doesn't sound that great, but he was mad. My uncle just often traded it for this bow. And, and because of that, he had, uh, like a negative impression on this bow, but it turned it out to be, it turns out it's a, for me, I've shot quite a few traditional bows, but when I picked this thing up and shot it, I was like, oh, this thing's just 
just perfect for me. It's so smooth. It's so light. It's so much different than shooting, shooting a compound. And like I said, I just, I couldn't wipe a smile off my face when I started shooting it. And especially when I started to get better and like range out and you can start, you know, chucking arrows across the yard at 30, 40 yards and like making some, you know, reasonable size groups. Uh, I just couldn't get away from it. I, I would be out there coming home from work, shooting that thing. And it would be, I couldn't even really see the target anymore, hardly just the outlines of it, but I couldn't stop shooting it. It was like that addictive. Okay. So it just was kind of a fluky thing that uh, I got drawn to it in that, I guess, like instantly, like I said, it reignited my passion for archery and deer hunting specifically. Well, and it's from a technical level, it sounds like you you've you've improved in other areas as well because of it. Not only the shooting of the bow, which is the, the, the biggest thing. One thing I constantly thought about when I hunted with it this year is like, you better be thinking about what you're doing because your margin for error is a lot smaller with this thing. If, if you make a not perfect shot with a compound with a real lethal broadhead, chances are that the deer's not going far. You got just tons of penetration power. You can break ribs. You can get through shoulders. I mean, it's just with the, the trad bow, I feel like the margin error is way smaller. And the last thing I want to do is wound an animal, be out there tracking an animal through, you know, tons of property, blowing out our deer woods. And, you know, like I said, the, the number one thing is wounding something and not being able to recover it. So there's that. Well, I'd be interested to see how you feel in a couple years to see if, uh, you know, you decide to go 100% traditional. Uh, I, I've, I've, I hear a lot of people say, you know, there's a certain point in their hunting careers where they're done with a compound and they, they want to try something different. They've been successful with the with the compound. They love archery and they just want to get deeper into it and, uh, and then they don't look back once they do go uh, into the the realm of traditional. So um, that's uh, that's cool to hear that you're doing that. And, and uh, in a couple of years, I'd love to hear if you're uh, if you're if you cross and go 100. percent Yeah, I can probably tell you in 100 percent honesty right now. I thought long and hard about that. And I, I I never. I don't think I ever will. Like. It's it's so much harder. The the couple yeah. opportunities that I had this year, um, I did have an opportunity to shoot a small year and a half old buck. I had him at at ten yards uh, on my brother's property up in northern Michigan. They do QDM. They don't shoot year and a half old bucks, but I mean, I, I could have closed the deal. I felt uh, that day I had a couple opportunities with the does in close to me, but part of it was hunting on the ground. But it, it's you're at such a disadvantage and I got, I love hunting in a tree stand. I love hunting with a compound. I'll, I'll I'll never give that up. That's, that's for sure. But now have, after doing this, like I'll never give this up either. I'm just going to kind of balance them out. I think throughout the years, I suppose that could change, but I, I don't see it ever happening. Right. Okay. Well, that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool story. And the reason that we got together was, um, we were going to do a, a product review podcast. So this is just kind of bonus talk. Um, but you decided at the beginning of this season to change your camo or your, your gear, your clothing, uh, going into this season. And, um, I think you said you wanted to talk about a, a new company called Plythal. And, um, but before we get into the specific products that you purchased and why you liked them, I'd like to talk about, you know, what made you decide to get new clothing and new gear before this season? Uh, kind of goes right back to what we were just talking about. I knew I was going to shoot this traditional bow and I'm probably partly not shooting it a hundred percent correctly. Cause guys would probably say you could correct this issue. But for me personally, when I shot this bow and when I shot it accurately, even if I was wearing a bulky hooded sweatshirt, I was hitting my, my sleeve and I just felt like there was no way in the world that I was going to be able to wear the gear that I had is like 13 years old, set a 
Rocky bibs and a Rocky jacket. The stuff's been great for me. I mean, you'd never guess it's 13 years old. Take good care of it, but it was too bulky for me to be mobile. And I felt like if I had a shot opportunity, it was too noisy. And there was just no way I could accurately shoot the bow. So what I was looking for was something that was a little more of an athletic fit, uh, not more form fitting and a little more designed for a, a bow hunter as far as like formed sleeves and just not being like a big puffy coat. And so I started searching around for some stuff and came across this gear just on, on, uh, online. Okay. So when you started, when you started your search for new gear, what were some of the things that this, whatever you were going to purchase, you didn't know it was going to be playful yet, but whatever you, whatever you were going to purchase, it had to have these things. What were those things? Uh, price point was huge for me. Uh, I had a construction project going on at my house at the end of this summer. I really had no budget for uh, new gear going into this season. And then I, I wanted, <clears throat> you know, I've, I paid close attention to comp- companies like First Light and Sitka, and I've seen how their patterns work out in the woods just so much better than the traditional you know, printed 3d imaging of trees and leaves. And so uh, the pattern was important to me and uh, the affordability, the affordability of being able to purchase all the items through kind of one company to make a set of stuff that wasn't going to break my budget. was like the the two top of the line things for me. Okay. Um, so other than the, the company you uh, ended up going with, you mentioned First Light. You mentioned Sitka. Um, were there any other companies that you decided or that, that you were looking at, um, include you know, aside from Plythal? Yeah, pretty much. Going into the season for you know a couple months, I was online every night, scrolling through everybody's pages, putting systems together, putting them in a cart, seeing what they added up to. Um, I looked at Under Armour stuff, Sika stuff. Uh, I really liked First Light stuff. And then every time, you know, I was in a store, I was kind of grabbing stuff, checking it out, looking. And like I said, I, I didn't even know Playful existed, uh, what they were, who they were, before I just happened to run across them on uh, Midway. I was on Midway's website where I bought all this stuff from, and it was a complete impulse buy. Like, it was was not planned at all. I've been looking for months at all this other gear and I got on here and I saw the prices of this stuff and I kind of fully expected to be disappointed with it when it arrived at my house because ordering something online, I have no idea if it's going to fit. I have no idea what the quality is. There was minimal reviews online. So I was pretty sketchy. I was expecting I looked at their return policy on Midway before I clicked for them to, you know, send the stuff to my house. Cause I was expecting to have to at least send some of it back. Right. That wasn't, right. wasn't the case. Uh, I've been super impressed with all of it. Okay. So were you thinking about doing a full layering system or were you thinking about, okay, you know, knowing that this stuff is probably going to be this, this newer gear is going to be, you know, probably a little bit more expensive. Were you thinking about starting with maybe like a base layer uh, and working your way out or starting with, uh, uh, you know, an outer shell and then working your way in? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do or did you say, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to get an entire, an entire system. No. Yeah. I certainly had a, a plan as far as knowing what I needed to, all my stuff that I currently was hunting in was was old, and most of it was rendered unusable. And the stuff that I did have was primarily for colder weather. And I planned on doing a lot of hunting this year. You know, season opens October first here for bow, and it could be it could be eighty degrees. It's not likely that it would be, but it, it could be eighty degrees. And then, you know, late in December here, I've been out hunting where it's been twenty below. So I knew that I needed quite a few things. And like I said, when I started adding that stuff up through everything, it was just like, 
man, this is going to cost me a ton of money. Uh, so what I ended up doing, it was kind of a two part thing and I, I did it through, I did it all through midway, but I bought a base layer from a company, Smartwool. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with any of their products. Yep. yep. I actually looked Great. at a lot of their products before I went on my, uh, Western trip a couple years ago. Yeah. It's all Merino wool, which is a hundred percent. I knew I was going with a Merino wool base layer and, uh, when I got on there and, you know, read the stuff about smart wool, the prices that I saw, I just threw it right in the cart. And then everything else that I put together was through playful, but my base layer was smart wool para, you know, a crew top, uh, just a standard, you know, your, your long John bottoms and then uh, a heavy hunting sock. Gotcha. Now was your base layer, a lighter base layer, a mid, a, a really heavy. What was uh, what was your thought there? Mid. The full thing said, you know, the sock. It was a heavy sock. Obviously, to- toes and you know, toes and fingers are the first things to go after you're sitting out there when you start getting cold. So, wore a heavy sock, and then their mid. Uh, they they call it the two fifty. I don't know exactly what that number stands for, but the mid two fifty crew was what I went with. Gotcha. Okay. So then, um, let's, uh, and what did those run roughly? What did those, uh, smart wool base layers run? Well, one thing I did notice, uh, cause I was putting some prices together, right. the numbers change quite a bit from website to website and from month to month, the prices that I paid, I got a, a great deal in comparison to if you went on midway right now. And I'm assuming it's cause of the time of the year and the demand. I bought the right. stuff in September, you know, still warm out. I don't know how many people were thinking about this, but, uh, I paid at the time I paid $70 for the top and $70 for the bottom and $16 for the socks. So it was okay. $156 that I paid for the base layer. Okay. And, uh, speaking on just the base layer alone, uh, were, did you notice, was this your first wool base layer? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And how did it, how do you feel it performed this year? Uh, I feel silly that I hunted for 20 years without it, you know, or yeah. And it's not only that I hunted without it, it's that I lived without it. Like that, that stuff is so versatile. And I know you've spoken about it and experienced it firsthand, but if I'm going for a run, or if I'm just working out in my garage or I have stuff to do outside, shovel snow. I was shoveling snow last week. You know, it's, it's freezing cold out. You don't want to walk out of the house, but as soon as you start shoveling snow within 10 minutes, you know, you're sweating to death and you're peeling clothes off. Right. It's so versatile. And yeah, I could, I would, I would be so stressed out if I went on a deer hunt and opened up my bin and I had forgotten that stuff. Right. I got a, uh, long sleeve QU 145 this year. And it was, it's, it's ridiculous. Just like you said, I, I, I was blown away by what <clears throat> wool does and why I didn't use it for so long previous. It, it, it was, it was so cool. I would still sweat, but then by the time I would be settled in my tree stand, I'd be dry again. Right. And, and I could, I could hunt longer and more comfortable straight up. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I was, yeah. Pretty, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. And one of the big things that I never really knew about it is that it has like a, a antimicrobial factor to it. It just yep. bacteria does not survive well uh, <clears throat> for whatever reason. And that's huge. Cause when I go up North to hunt, I, I might be staying somewhere camping for a week and you know not have access to laundry shower any of that stuff so and the deer up in northern michigan are pretty sketchy they'll take no tolerance of any smell of any human so the fact that it has those uh, properties is just a huge benefit on top of it being the most comfortable thing i've ever worn right right so the wool performed well for you. Now, going out one more, one more layer. Um, 
Did you buy an insulation layer next? Did you buy a, a shell layer? What, uh, I guess go ahead and tell us what you decided to purchase from Plythal. I'll go right down the list that I have here. I bought uh, just okay. a stand, your standard fitted ball cap. <clears throat> uh, they're heavyweight, 3, 3.0. They have a couple different, it looks like, like 1.0 is what they use to kind of classify their early season stuff. 2.0 okay. is their mid-season stuff. And then 3.0 would be some of their later season garments. So I bought the 3.0, the heavyweight beanie. I bought uh, the midweight neck gaiter. I bought a pair of their gloves. They are the fingerless gloves where the hand folds over. You know, your thumb is separate, but you can open up the, the mitten top and your fingers are exposed. Okay. And those were, you know, their heaviest glove that they had. Uh, their heavyweight hoodie. I bought a pair of insulated pants and then their. They call it the full rut. It's a, you know, an insulated jacket. They have a, a, a puffy coat, you know, that's a down coat. That's like their real heavy coat, but this is kind of their midweight, their midweight coat. Gotcha. Now, um, for all of that, what did you spend? I spent $361. For all of that stuff? For all of that stuff. I paid. Okay. Fourteen dollars for the hat, twenty-eight dollars for the beanie, fourteen dollars for the gator, eighteen dollars for the gloves, thirty-five dollars for the hoodie, a hundred and twelve for the pants, and then a hundred and forty for the jacket. And now, if you go on Plythal site and <clears throat> order that same setup, it was two hundred and fifty-three dollars more than I got it in uh, September through Midway. Gotcha. So you, you caught a bit of a deal, but regardless, you know, if you're going, uh, and don't get me wrong. I love the Sitka gear that I, I wear, but, uh, that Sitka stuff and some of these other companies, you know, that price point's a lot different. It, for the system that I purchased, I mean, the combination of the two things that I bought all the Merino stuff and the, the playful stuff, <clears throat> I put, uh, you know, when I rang out that shopping cart, it was $517. That exact same, that exact same, basically comparable system through Sitka's $1,400. I mean, it's almost three times the cost. Right. Right. So starting off in, uh, when you, when you purchase this and you purchased it in September, right? Right before the, the season started. Yeah. It was about a week, a week before, uh, the opener, I realized Oh my God, like I don't have anything to deer hunt seasons next week. I don't have any gear. Like I'm not going deer hunting if I don't have gear. So I just impulse buy, sat down, started. To, I was originally kind of interested with a digital pattern and I just Googled like digital camo and it was one of the things that came up. And when I got on there, it just kept linking, you know, it realizes what you're looking at and it just kept linking up the other playful stuff. And I started looking at it and oh, stuff looks pretty nice and the price is super cheap and I can send it back if I don't like it. Cool. So you, you, uh, you mentioned that you, you know, you purchased it without trying it. You purchased it online. Um, do you do that a lot? Do you buy a lot of your gear online or are you the type of person who likes to go into the store and handle it before you purchase it? Whether that's camo or a tree stand or, you know, broadheads. I purchased more online this year than I ever have. And that's partly because the things that I wanted to purchase, I could only get, <clears throat> you know, some direct consumer items, some smaller companies that were out West that I bought, I bought some broadheads, you know, some traditional broadheads from a small mom and pop people out in Oregon that, you know, I'm not going to Gander Mountain or Cabela's or Dick's and, and picking those up. And, uh, <clears throat> so typically no, because of what I said to you, I, I want to, feel the stuff, touch it. I don't like dealing with packaging things back up and, and returning it. It's just hard for me to find the time uh, to do that. I'd more like to go in, make sure it's exactly what I want. It might be exactly what I want in a store. I might hang it back up and still go look at a couple items other places before I come back and make that decision. So, no, I typically do not buy stuff like that that I can't you know, physically touch with my own hands. 
So when you ended up buying it and it, and it showed up at your front door, what was your first impression of this gear uh, that you ended up uh, getting? I was really happy. I mean, the fit was the biggest thing that I was concerned about, right? Uh, right. Just what, what's the chances? I went back and forth. I'm around 175 pounds, 175 pounds, five foot eight, relatively smaller guy, but I, I, I'm in between typically like a medium and a large. I always have a hard time finding items in particular that like really fit me well. So I didn't know if I should order a large or order a medium. It was just a real roll of the dice and everything fit me perfect. Like I ordered all medium stuff, the, the hats, the neck gaiter, the uh, the gloves. That was one size fits all. The gloves are a little big on me, but once again, I'm a, I'm a smaller guy. And yeah, but as far as the, the hoodie and the jacket and the pants, I ordered the medium, and it was like somebody custom tailored the stuff to me. I have uh, you know a few sets of dress clothes for when I do have to wear dress clothes, and I, I swear these garments fit me per- better than that stuff. It just fit that okay. good. So I take it, you know, you were excited to, um, you were excited to, to get out and try it once the, once the season started. Yeah. I put it, I mean, <clears throat> put it on, moved around in it. It was, uh, the day I got the stuff, it was, it was pretty warm out, you know, it was yeah. maybe the, not even October yet. And I went outside and I'm like, this hat's ridiculous. Like I, this thing right. can't even be on my head right now. Uh, but the other stuff, I, I want to shoot my bow with it and see, and it did exactly what I wanted it to do. When you take that jacket off and you lay it on the floor, those arms just don't stick straight out. Like most of my clothing does. They're, they're contoured to a position that, you know, really is beneficial to somebody that's sitting with a bow in their lap, has to reach for a bow or draw a bow and shoot it and have the clearance to not you know, have a string slapping against a a bunch of bulky stuff. Right. Okay. So, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about how it, you know, the first time in the woods, is there anything that stood out to you right away when you started wearing it to hunt that year? Um, especially during your traditional portion of the year stood out that you liked and and then maybe anything that you were critical of, you know, something that, you know, if you were in charge, maybe you'd do it a different way. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, before I even hunted with it and before I hunted with it, the first thing I did is wash it, throw it through the washer, uh, scent free wash. When I picked that stuff up out of the washing machine, it was, you know, when you pick something up out of the washing machine, typically weighs quite a bit more than when you put it in there because it's soaking, you know, it's, it's wet. This stuff, the, the weight was no different. It retained none of the water. I was, I was just shocked. I was like, all right, this is different. I haven't had anything like this before. So before I even put it on, that was something that I noticed that it did not retain or hold any of the water when I washed it, which I figured this is probably going to translate good into getting rid of, you know, my moisture when I'm trying to get far out into the woods or, you know, drag deer out and I'm, I'm sweating and it did exactly that. And just the, the lightweightness of it and the mobility was so much greater than anything that I personally had ever owned. Uh, I figured it was going to be that way, but not at the level that it was. Okay. So from, uh, from a from that standpoint you were you you liked it uh is there enough is there enough uh pockets on it is there um enough space to put all your stuff i mean does it fold down or does it i mean is it easily com- folded into a bag uh, i don't know i'm just brainstorming storming here about how i use my gear um or is there anything that maybe you didn't like about it or you were like, you know, I, if, if I was the manufacturer, I'd put maybe a drawstring here or I'd put a pocket here, or I don't like this feature about it. Right. 
Um, the first, one of the big things that I really noticed about it and it was partly the smart wool thing too, was the versatility throughout the season of the different climates and weather that I hunted from October 1st into, you know, basically to the end of December and by putting certain layers on and holding back on other layers. And then at some times knowing that I was going to be sitting long and it's going to be cold, just piling it all on. I could sit comfortably in 70 degrees and I could sit comfortably in this setup. I could sit comfortably. It could be in a tree stand, 30 degrees. I could sit for three hours comfortably. The fourth hour, I'm going to get cold. And after the fourth hour, I would start getting, you know, uncomfortable. This mid-weight stuff, I wouldn't recommend for anybody that was going to go sit out for a period longer than four hours to not have the next level, like a puffy pants or bibs or jacket to put over this stuff. That was kind of, that was kind of its threshold for temperature. How I, I did hunt some colder weather in it. I just didn't last nearly as long. And if I had the ability to move around a little bit and regain some body heat, you know, it would hold it for a while longer, but I hunted one morning up in Northern Michigan and it was 18 degrees and it was a mistake. That was the, that was the coldest that I ever remember being in probably ever, you know, it took me by the time I got, when I got back in, it took me an hour. It seemed like to regain my body temperature. I was freezing cold. So the midweight stuff won't do you much good below 30 degrees, unless you're going to put something on top of it. But these guys make a jacket and uh, a bib layer that goes, you know, is their next step up that will layer right over that. And you're, you're good to go for, I hunted with my existing bibs, that Rocky stuff that I had, I was able to, the, the stuff fits so well. I was able to put my old bibs and jacket right over that. And for muzzleloader hunting, I sat one morning, I sat one morning for five hours. It was, I think it was 13 degrees out in a tree stand. And the thought of being uncomfortable never even crossed my mind. Okay. So basically what you're saying is you, you saw a problem, but there was also a solution for that, right? I mean, all you really needed was another layer. Yeah. And okay. I was hoping that that was going to be the case, that that stuff would fit under my existing clothing. And it did. And I plan on purchasing their, their bibs and their down coat to partner with the stuff I already have for next season. So I'll feel gotcha. set up because their camel pattern worked so well for me, uh, in a couple different scenarios this year that I felt like when I put my old stuff on over it, I was putting myself at, uh, a disadvantage. Okay. So one thing that I noticed, um, I have a pair of, a couple Sitka pieces of uh, clothing. And, uh, when I walk through the thick stuff, these pants pick up all these thistles and, and, you know, all the things that want to stick to you, uh, that my, my clothing does a real good job of picking all that up. And then it's just a son of a bitch to get off. You know, you're, you're sitting there trying to pick it off before you throw it in the washer. And next thing you know, one of those stickers gets on what on your wife's clothes and then she gets pissed and then it's all over the kids clothes. And then, and then, uh, there's talk of divorce and all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, uh, so how did, how did the, the clothing perform on that front? I mean, did, did any of this stuff, any of the timber come back home with you? hundred percent. I don't, and I don't think that you can get away from that without using a material that is going to be abrasive and, and noisy. Yeah. Same thing. I, I know you look down and you see that stuff all over you and it's almost like depressing because you know the amount of work that's going to be involved to get all that stuff off of there. And yeah, it is. The stuff is really quiet in the field. When you rub the fabric together, it virtually makes no noise, which is super important to me. But if you're going to go piling through briars and some nasty stuff to get in where you need, it's, it's all coming with you. Right. Okay. So, and then it, it sounds like it performed fairly well. I mean, do you, are you going to recommend this 
to uh, to all the listeners? Yeah, hundred percent. I've you know my friends that I deer hunt with, you know they would testify to it. I've, I've talked highly of it all year, and uh, you know especially for anybody that's concerned, you know about a budget. We got a relatively young family at home, and I don't have you know. I really don't have like a budget for, you know, going out and spending over a thousand dollars on a set of clothing that I'm only going to wear, wear part of the year that only benefits me and not my family. So this was like a really good alternative, but at the same time, work hard for my money and I don't want to essentially piss it away. So I'm not interested in spending money on subpar stuff and then having to chuck it in the trash. Cause that's a waste of money too. So this was like a, I felt like it was a real win uh, as far as what the price point is to how well the stuff performed. Can't say enough okay. good stuff about it, really. Well, that's good. That's good. Cool. Um, obviously something people need to take a look at then. Now, kind of going into a different direction here, um, is there are there any other products, maybe not re- related to clothing, that uh, you're looking to purchase or uh, uh, products that you're looking to switch out or upgrade between now and the start of the 2017 season? Yeah, so start. I need a lot of stuff, and it's actually kind of stressing me out because there's just no way to get around this one. It's going to cost me money. <laughs> it's going to cost. It's going to cost me money. But my brother and I this year kind of started uh, trekking out farther into bigger chunks of public land up north and. Right. We're at a point where, you know, we get a week off. Basically, my brother's an electrician. I'm a plumber. So we don't get a lot of time off. And, and when we do, you know, we want to take advantage of it. And we're fortunate enough growing up that my family has a piece of private land up north that we share with some other families that my dad purchased with a group of friends when he was younger. And we've always had it and we've always hunted it. But now where we are in our hunting career, we want to we want to shoot bigger deer, mature deer, and that involves getting away from people. And so we're going to, this year coming up, do some deeper in scouting on some bigger chunks of public land up in northern Michigan. And we're going to actually tent camp and deer hunt. Oh, sweet. So we, we got to get a tent and we got to get a stove because, you know, it could be in the teens and I just not into being wet and super uncomfortable all weekend. doesn't sound fun to me. So we need a lightweight stove that we can fold up and pack in. We need a couple packs because of the distance that we're going. Uh, we're not just, you know, traditionally tired gear behind us. So we get a group of guys, we get a pickup in relatively close and that's not going to be an option. We're going to be at, uh, through nasty stuff and at distances where we're actually going to have to, you know, quarter an animal up never done it before but been watching a ton of videos we're gonna have to actually quarter animals up and and pack them out in frame packs so i need a frame pack we're gonna try to document some of it so i need a camera and we need a tent (laughs) you need you need a camera i like how you say you need a camera yeah i mean the the phones do the phones nowadays do a, a really good job but it's like important to me now that i have a young son that looking back now a lot of times I can get lost for hours looking at my dad's old deer hunting photos. And I, I almost feel guilty that I haven't been doing a better job of capturing some of this stuff so that when my son's older, he can look back and be like, man, things were so different when, when you guys are deer hunting versus when, when we are, you know? So I actually do need a camera. Right. Cool. Well, that's, uh, that's cool, man. Uh, first off, I want to say thanks for taking time out of your day to come on the, on the podcast and uh, chit chat with us about uh, uh, you know your your step into traditional and then uh, the review on Pl- Plythal, man. I really appreciate your time. Hey, can I say just one one quick thing? You asked me about a negative about Plythal, and it's it's not really like a negative, but as far okay. as something that like if anybody that works for Plythal or makes their decisions was to hear this, one thing that would really push me towards being a hundred percent sold on them as a company. I'd really like to see their li- their name uh, as a list of names on two percent for conservation. Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, Sick is really, on there. That's really cool. Yep. And a lot of other companies are, and it's it's a really important thing for 
companies going forward to, you know, protect the stuff that we have now. So that's one thing that I would uh, like to see is their name on the 2% conservation website. Hey, that's a, uh, that's a kick-ass statement, man. And I really appreciate you bringing that up because, um, a ton of outdoor companies need to step up and do that because without the animal and without conservation, there is no hunting industry. So, you know, chew on that for a little bit, I guess. You you said it and it's a, not as many people are paying attention to it as need to be, but it's a, it's a really critical time for sportsmen to kind of like, let's get our shit together and people pay attention yeah. to what's happening. Cause if we don't, looking back in the short term, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. You know, Hey, it didn't affect me today. I'm busy with work. I got kids, I got things going on, but you know, for the future of our kids and their kids, uh, you better pay attention to what's happening right now. And companies like 2% for conservation sure are, and, uh, you know, strong supporter of them and what they're doing. And, uh, I'd like to see, like you just said, more companies get on board with them. Perfect. All right, man. Well, I tell you what, good luck, uh, in your 2017 season and keep us posted. Hopefully we can get you on here for a hunter profile podcast as well. Yeah, that'd be great, Dan. I enjoy talking with you. Shout out to Kevin for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time, brother. Uh, huge shout out to each and every one of you who has taken the time to download this podcast. I really appreciate uh, the support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge shout out to Exodus Outdoor Gear and Exodus Trail Cameras. Uh, huge shout out to Deer Lab. Now, remember, as far as Exodus goes, if you guys decide to purchase a trail camera, from Exodus, make sure you use the code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, and you can receive $20 off of your order. Also, thanks to Deer Lab. Don't forget about what they're offering as well. And guys, please go to iTunes, leave a review. Let's uh, let everybody know what you think of the podcast. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you guys follow me there as well. Spread the word, spread the word. And uh, yeah, man. Hopefully everybody has a good rest of the week. Shed hunting season is coming. I'm already starting to see uh, sheds being posted on social media. So that tells me it's it's just now starting. And I'm going to be uh, getting out there hopefully over the next couple weeks. Again, thank you to everybody. And if you're going to be in a tree doing anything, even if it's not hunting related, wear your damn Safety harness. Have a good week.